Welcome to another edition of the Blue Ribbon College Basketball Podcast. Alongside Chris Dorch of Blue Ribbon, I'm Kevin Ingram. Of course, it is tournament time. We're into the NCAA Sweet 16 starting on this Thursday and continuing through the weekend. By Sunday, we will have the four Final Four teams. So looking forward to seeing who's going to make it to the national semifinals, but a lot of basketball to be played between here and there. Chris, what's going on, man? Man, I am exhausted, and I didn't uh, play the, I didn't dribble the first ball or take the first <laughs> shot. I didn't uh, go to a regional this year, so I planted myself in my chair uh, and for four straight days, uh, 12 hours a day, watched some of the craziest basketball I think I've ever seen. And I just, in fact, here's a shocking statistic that I didn't even realize. Uh, 14 times in the last 20 years, at least two teams seated number 10 or higher have advanced to the Sweet 16. Uh, I had no idea, uh, but, uh, uh, another stat that's, that's pretty crazy. Uh, if you add all the seeds of the sweet 16 teams, it comes to 85, only four tournaments, 86, 90, 91, and 21 have had a higher number. Wow. And I, I totally forgot that. 2021 was that nuts. It had 94 was the total seed if you added them. But here's the reason. My bracket held up last year. This year, done by halfway through Thursday. <laughs> halfway through I mean, Thursday? <laughs> done. I mean, I mean, I just couldn't believe it. Oh, man. Uh, so it, it has been a – I just I remember saying a little prayer that, that I never got into coaching. Uh just you know watching these guys and then the heat they take on social media after they get yes we we have john calipari on line one (laughs) yeah exactly yeah rick barnes on line two yeah (laughs) Uh, people don't know how hard it is uh to to get there you know and they don't know how hard it is to win because everybody wants that one shining moment and they're coming at you uh so i live vicariously through those dudes man it was just exhausting, and I I needed a couple of days to chill. And then school started back, so I'm doing my teaching thing again. <laughs> Last week was spring breaks, thank goodness. But uh, so yeah, been pretty crazy, but no crazier than you. weren't you on uh, a road trip to Cincinnati? I was uh, yesterday on on Tuesday. Uh, made a quick little trip up to the Queen City for Vanderbilt and Xavier in the NIT. Uh, Commodores made a great run in the NIT, uh, beat Belmont 82-71, then won a two-point thriller in overtime against Dayton on Sunday. You turn right around and you are on the road to play at, at Xavier on Tuesday night. And Commodores led by uh, 10 at one point in the second half, and Xavier caught up, led by nine with about six minutes left, but uh, just couldn't finish the job, Xavier, to their credit. A guy I actually know well, and I talked to him for a couple minutes before the oh, game, Adam yeah. Kunkel, scored hey, five Kunkel. key points in, in really the, the, the closing stretch of the game that helped make the difference for Xavier. But uh, Vanderbilt had trouble getting stops, had one last chance at the end. Xavier turned the ball over with a second left, and Scotty Pippen Jr. had a, a heave at the buzzer to try to win it from three-point land and hit off the backboard. But uh, a really nice season ends, 19 wins in the end, and won four times in, in the postseason, two in the SEC tournament and, and two in the NIT. IT. So feels like a lot to build on for a, a Vanderbilt team that uh, finally got healthy toward the end of the season or as healthy as it had been the whole year. And uh, it was really a lot of fun. People 
people sort of uh, give the NIT a hard way to go. But one thing I've found over the years is if your team's motivated to win and you get in there, yeah. you can really have a good time. And we did. Uh, I had been in that yeah. same spot with Belmont a few years back in 2014, uh, playing in that game, that quarterfinal game with a chance to go to New York and uh, came up short against Clemson then. And same situation last night. Uh, and when the game's over and we're coming back home, it, it, it's quiet and feels you feel the disappointment of it being over. But when you step back and look at uh, what this team accomplished this season, you've got to feel pretty good about it. I've watched games. I have called games. I've done a little bit of both at the same time, uh, <laughs> a time or two. Now, I've also been calling games for Vanderbilt's women's team in the WNIT. Uh, Charlie, wow, Charlie, I didn't know that. Charlie Matos, who called the games for 29 years for Vanderbilt, uh, retired at the end of the season. And so they, they needed someone to uh, fill in for the postseason game. So I've uh, stepped in there and done – I've actually done four of those. I did one in the SEC tournament, uh, four counting tomorrow night. Uh, and then I've done two in the WNIT that beat Murray State and then uh, beat Liberty, both in blowouts. So uh, I'll be calling the game down at Murfreesboro tomorrow night. As far as the NCAA tournament, I think after watching the first four – I said to myself, this is going to be one crazy tournament, uh, especially yep. watching that Notre Dame and Rutgers game and just the way that thing went. I thought, this tournament's going to be insane because all these teams, there's not a lot of separation as far as the no. high seeds versus the lower seeds, and that, that gap has closed a lot over recent years. And so I've watched games at home. I've watched games in the office where there's about an 80-inch TV right there in our office. And so I, I parked myself in front of that and, and did game prep and sat there and watched games all pretty much Thursday and part of Friday. I've watched them on my phone. I've watched them on my iPad while uh, getting ready to do baseball. We're rehearsing our stand-up uh, for Vanderbilt's baseball game against Missouri on uh, Friday, I guess. what? No, I guess it was Saturday when North Carolina and Baylor were playing. Oh, And wow. I was trying to keep one eye on the game because, you know, North Carolina almost blew it, and, and they ended up in overtime, and Carolina won, and I'm trying to figure out what's going on and, and while also actually paying attention to what I'm supposed to be doing, and that's working. Uh, but, yeah, it was just crazy. I, I, I'm i like you. I can't get enough of watching these tournament games, the, the drama and, and, and trying to see if these teams can get to the finish line when you have a chance to pull a big upset. Uh, we'll talk about St. Peter's and what they've accomplished, too. Uh, they're the, yeah. the, the state champions of Kentucky after uh, beating the Wildcats yeah. and the Racers over three days. But it's been something to watch. Chris, I thought we'd just kind of go through these regional semifinal matchups one by one and just have you give, yep. me, give me a thought or two on, on how you think these might go. We'll just uh, do a quick little uh, preview of each one. Let's start in the West, out in San Francisco, number four seed Arkansas and the top seed Gonzaga. Arkansas survived in advance in a couple close games. J.D. Note, and I, I really like Jalen Williams. He's so versatile. That, that guy's a terrific player. Gonzaga survived a classic game against Memphis. That, that was awesome. Uh, it got to be Timmy time, though, and Andrew Nemhard made free throws. Those guys knocked him down at the foul stripe. Give me a thought or two on that matchup as we start here. Well, my first thought was, is Connor Vanover, the 7-3 junior at, at Arkansas, finally going to get to take his warm-ups off? He hasn't played <laughs> since January 18th, yet mm -hmm. he started 10 times this year. And I wonder if they might need him uh, uh, to try to deal with Chet Holmgren. Now, Holgram hasn't had a great uh, postseason. He's been in uh, single digits three of his five games. But, boy, in the first-round game, uh, uh, he clobbered Georgia State with 19 points, 17 boards, five assists, seven blocks, and two steals. I mean, there's nobody in the country. Uh, our, our buddy and friend of the show, Paul Van Cardi, told us this back in the spring, last spring. He said, Chet Holmgren is a unicorn. 
and there aren't guys like him. So I wonder how Arkansas is going to deal because, you know, uh, Coach Musselman plays uh, a positionless ball. Trey Wade, Stanley Amude, Audis Tony are all six foot six. JT Note is six two. Jalen Williams is the only guy with size at six ten. And I don't think he can handle Timmy, who got 32 against Georgia State and 25 against Memphis, and Chet Holmgren all by himself. But I, I think I think Arkansas will make it tough because they guard. Uh, but one of their strengths is getting it to the end of the paint and, and, and getting free throws. And I think if they venture into the paint, uh, Tim, uh, uh, Holmgren is going to get a triple-double, and one <laughs> of the triples is going to be blocks. And then you have Texas Tech, the number three seed, and Duke, the number two. Can Texas Tech end Coach K's career after it was on life support against Michigan State on Sunday? Boy, that it was crazy. They trailed 70-65 to 65 with five minutes to go, and they, they somehow squeezed out an 85-76 to 76 victory. Here's a little fun fact. Uh, Duke's uh, averages 0.97 uh, years experience per man. And that's something like in the 300 uh, range in the country. And uh, you contrast that with Texas Tech, who's got all these uh, experienced veteran dudes, a bunch of transfers. They really mined the portal better than a lot of people thought. People were raving about Texas and its class of transfers. Texas Tech quietly brought in a bunch of guys and have outlasted Texas. They're, you know, Texas got beat in the second round and, Texas Tech is still going. Uh, Mark Adams has done such a great job. He's another great story where a coach, and, and he spent his entire career uh, mostly as a head coach at levels less than D1 in the state of Texas. And to survive, he adopted a, a defensive mentality. And, you know, Texas Tech is number one in the country in, in uh, defensive efficiency. So, And they're so experienced. And you contrast that with Duke, which is young but super talented. Yeah. I think a big key uh, for Duke, for Duke, and and might allow them to to, to move on. Uh, AJ Griffin, their best three point shooter, he shoots at forty five percent from three, which is off the charts. He tweaked an ankle in the Michigan State game. If he's ready to go, uh, I think they're uh, men on a mission. Uh, you could just kind of feel it when, when, yeah. when uh, they were down and everybody was looking kind of tense and they flashed to Coach K's family. He's got about 67 grandkids and, and they're all in the stands. And, uh, you know, I, I just think they're highly motivated to win and that's who I've got. In the South in San Antonio, you have 11 seed Michigan and number two seed Villanova. Michigan knocked out Tennessee. The Vols couldn't throw it in the ocean, especially from no. three-point land. I thought it was a cool scene at the end with Juwan Howard uh, comforting Kennedy Chandler in, in the handshake yeah. line. Jay Wright, the more of this I watch, the more I think he's probably the best coach in the country. And Nova just gets it done. Colin Gillespie is so good. Jermaine Samuels is really good against Ohio State. What do you think about that matchup? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you, man. Uh, Jay Wright has got it going on. Uh, there were actually times when, I don't know, maybe it's just fans, but maybe it was athletic directors thought they could pry him out of there. He's a Philly guy, and a Philly guy he shall stay. And when you can win national championships where you're at, right. 
why go? So they won in 16 and 18. And if you told me right now that they were going to go on and win this whole thing, I would not be shocked. Uh, in that, in those two title winning years, I looked it up because I was curious because they shot the fire out of the ball in those two in the twelve games in the, in those two NCAA uh, title winning years. They shot fifty percent from three, which is off the hook. Uh, so this year, yet again, they're they're another great three point shooting team, uh, and this is crazy. It, it seems like a typo, but it isn't. They're shooting 83% from the free throw line as a team. All their starters shoot at least 74%. So that gets it done. And then you've got the guy that I picked. I'm proudly served on the Bob Cousy uh, Award panel with uh, such luminaries as uh, Dickie V, uh, Jay Billis, uh, Jeff Goodman. It's a good group. Uh, Our buddy uh, Bruce Pascoe is on it, who writes for Blue Ribbon and covers Arizona. Colin Gillespie is my pick uh, to win that uh, Koozie Award. And he's, he's the best point guard in the country. And um, unless you watch him a lot, you don't really appreciate what all he does. But he scores at all three levels. Uh, you got to – his ball fake is irresistible because if you don't close out on him, he shoots 42% from three. He's already made 104 three-pointers this year. And, oh, by the way, he's a 90% free-throw shooter. And he can score in the mid-range. Uh, he can put it on the floor. And he just – he's he's uh, Jay Wright's proxy on the floor. Yeah. And there aren't – I mean, I, I don't know a higher compliment that you can give a point guard than he's his coach's proxy on the floor. You know, I was thinking about real quick, uh, you were talking about those two championship teams for Villanova. Some years I think you could play the tournament 10 times and you might have 10 different winners. In 2018, you could have played that tournament 10 times and I think Villanova would have won it every Villanova time. was on fire. Yeah, I mean, both, both years they just really shot the ball. And the, the thing about what Jay Wright does, uh, he recruits guys, irregardless of their stars, uh, to fit his system. They've got to be willing to, to, to pay their dues and wait their turn. Even Colin Gillespie had to do that. They've got to be able to shoot the ball. and They've got to be willing to defend. But I think maybe most important is basketball IQ. And he just, no matter who he's got, every year uh, they're super competitive and always have a chance. And like I said, if, if you told me that they were going to go on and win this thing, it, it would not shock me. Absolutely. Uh, the other matchup in the South out in San Antonio, uh, number five, Houston, number one, Arizona. The Wildcats barely survived in uh, overtime against TCU. Looked like it could have been a foul on that play at the end of regulation. Uh, this should be a great matchup, and I would think this would be a really entertaining game to watch and maybe one that you see the score climb on up there uh, well above 80. It's scary uh, how close Arizona, because I picked Arizona to win it all. I thought my bracket is doomed anyway. Just go ahead and lose. <laughs> yep. But they pulled it out because they've got two studs. Benedict Matherin had 30 and 10 boards. And, and Christian Coloco had a game for the ages. Uh, it, only five players in NCAA tournament history have scored 28 or more points, gotten 10 or more boards while only missing uh, one shot or less from the field. The others that did it were Blake Griffin, Magic, 
Bill Walton and Jerry Lucas. Wow, that's select company so right that's there. Some pretty crazy stuff. And Arizona is huge. Uh, Tabellus is 6'11", 245. Omar Ballo is 7'0", 260. But here's the deal. They're not a great defensive rebounding team. They're something like 197th in the country. And Houston, which always butters its, uh, butters its bread with uh, blue-collar stuff, they're the number three offensive rebounding team in the country. Last year they were number one. Uh, they're undersized. Uh, compared to Arizona, but they get after it. And, and they're, uh, they've got a young point guard who's really filled in, uh, Jamal Sheed, who I'm really impressed with, uh, and they guard. So I've got Arizona by a hair. But, again, if, if you told me that Houston would go on and win this thing, I would not be shocked. I really wouldn't because they play hard. And, and Kelvin Sampson – is one of the best coaches in the country. Sure. I mean, he's rehabilitated uh, his career. You know, he ran a follow of the NCAA at Indiana, went to the NBA a while, learned some things, some wrinkles he's put in his offense, and he's come back hungry. And, boy, uh, this is another team. They, they lost Marcus Sasser and Tremont Mark in late December. Between the two of them, they were averaging almost 30 points a game, and yet here they are. So – that, that speaks to their depth and I think Coach Sampson's ability to, uh, to get the most out of his players. Let's move on to the uh, Friday regional semifinals. and quick thoughts on these four matchups. In the East in Philadelphia, you have St. Peter's, the 15 seed, which is only the third 15 to ever make it uh, to the second weekend of play, uh, joining Florida Gulf Coast. And just last season, Oral Roberts, I had forgotten yeah. that they made it that far. Uh, they'll played third-seeded Purdue. Uh, maybe Purdue's not getting enough credit for how good they are. Jaden Ivey and company to beat taxes by 10 to advance. So uh, St. Peter's trying to keep that Cinderella run going, and Purdue trying to take another step toward uh, that Final Four that's eluded him for so long. Well, sometimes uh, in, in this tournament, other teams do some of the heavy lifting for you. Yep. Yeah, I, I always say almost, that, that sometimes the hardest games are the ones you don't play, and uh, yeah, that's exactly yeah. right. Yeah, St. Peter's definitely did some heavy lifting for Purdue because anybody that knows this game would have predicted, well, I don't know, may, maybe not anybody, but I had Purdue-Kentucky in the Sweet 16, and Kentucky would have been a formidable opponent. I still cannot believe St. Peter's did it. Uh, the thing about this, this team, they can really, really defend. And what's crazy about it is – Casey Nadefo, he's 10th in the nation in block shot percentage. But as a team, St. Peter's is 354th in the country huh. in block shot percentage. So what's that tell you? Well, it's not just – their defense isn't just related to blocking shots. They get down and guard. They're undersized, uh, but they really get after you. And that kid, Doug Eder, he's got the porn stash. Uh, he, he's, <laughs> he's one of those guys – just a, a hero of March. He can shoot the three. Uh, but they're going to have their hands full with, with Purdue. Zach Eady is, is a monstrous dude at 7'4", 295. If you just get him a paint touch, he's going to drop it in the bucket. Yep. He doesn't even have to jump. Uh, Trevion Williams started last year. He was first-team All-Big Ten. He's 6'10", 255. And he's got something like 120 assists. So he can muscle you in the post, but if you double him, he's going to find the open man. 
And if you do that, uh, last I counted, Purdue had at least four game-breaking shooters. And then if all else fails, Jaden Ivey, who's a lottery pick, you just give him the ball and get out of his way. Right. I, I, I wrote that uh, I, I thought that it seems like St. Peter's is on a, a, a Jake and Elwood level mission from God. Uh, but I still, I still think Purdue wins this one. And then you have North Carolina and UCLA, the old blue bloods, uh, Carolina, the eight seed UCLA, the number four. I sort of like the Tar Heels to keep it going after that crazy win over Baylor and, and the blowout that they scored in the first round. Uh, they'll face the Bruins now after they of course made the deep run last season. I, I, I'm still exhausted from watching that North Carolina Baylor game. I've never seen anything like it, Kevin. Uh, leading by 25, I, I, I almost saw something close. when In Nashville, I think it was in 17, when Nevada uh, trailed Cincinnati uh, by 22 in the second half and came back and won. Uh-huh. Baylor erased a 25-point lead. I still question that flagrant two on Brady Manick, who was dealing – he, he had that, 26 that changed in the, the game. One. That that changed, changed the game right totally. there. Mm-hmm. It was so funny. Some of the announcers and a lot of pundits on Twitter were saying, well, it's a good thing they were up by so many. This, we, this could really have been controversial. Well, <laughs> it, it, that, that lead got evaporated. And, uh, you know, the, I, I tweeted out, I don't know what was more surprising, the fact that they lost that lead or the fact that they still had the gas to win it and the moment, you know, to, to, to lift themselves off the canvas and won that thing in OT. Uh, I like, I love uh, North Carolina's starting five. You got Armando Baycott, who's averaging a double-double. Manic, who's one of the best transfer portal finds uh, in the country. Uh, a, a versatile backcourt and virtually interchangeable, Caleb Love and R.J. Davis. And then Leaky Black, who's one of the most versatile guys in the game. Uh, but they call them the Iron Five because Hubert Davis barely goes to his bench. Uh, they had to get s- some key contributions off bench warmers against Baylor. So I don't know. Uh, UCLA's got more depth. Uh, they've been there. They're experienced. They've got a great point guard in, in Tiger Campbell. And they've got some great scores at the wing, especially uh, Johnny Juzang. So I think I'm going with UCLA. Midwest and Chicago, finally, uh, number four seed Providence, number one seed Kansas, and then you'll have Iowa State and Miami. As far as Providence goes, everybody was picking against them in the first round as an upset special. Well, not so much. Here they are in the Sweet 16. I give them a good chance to pick off Kansas. How do you see it? Yeah, I, I'll tell you what. Uh, people didn't, don't realize that don't study it or or don't follow it kind of like we do, but Ed Cooley at Providence is one of the most underrated coaches in the game. And one of the reasons that he was is because he'd only won one NCAA tournament game in his career. And like it or not, uh, that seems to be a barometer yeah. for the rank and file fan as to a coach's worthiness. Well, now he's proven that that he's up there with, with some of the best in the game. They're 27 and five. Uh, you know, they won a couple of games in overtime and won in triple overtime in the regular season. So they're tough, hard nosed. The thing I like about Kansas, uh, of course, Abaji is an all American. He's been around. Christian Braun is another guy that, that is a game breaking shooter for them. But uh, 
They're really a different team now that Remy Martin has recovered from a, a midseason knee injury. He helped them. If it weren't for him, they would have gotten beat by Creighton. Uh, he had a great game, uh, picked them up. I, I think he had 20 points, seven boards, and four assists. Uh, after the game, uh, Bill Self said we're a different team with him. So I still like Kansas, but Providence is tough, and, and it won't be easy at all. And then finally, the uh, the bad weather matchup of double-digit seeds, the Cyclones and the Hurricanes. Uh, Jim Laranega's group pounded Auburn. Chuck kept his shirt on, which uh, Coach Laranega said that, that was fine with him. But, uh, you know, in, in some of these brackets, you have, you know, the top four seeds. And this one, you have two double-digit seeds facing off for a spot in the Elite Eight. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, Jim Laranega, I, I didn't realize this till I'd done a little research. Miami was coming off three straight losing seasons. And Coach Laranega, you know, he's, he's getting up there. He's 72. And, and I wonder... Uh, if this year wasn't a make or break for him, and maybe they might have made a change. I, I don't know, but they're not going to make a change right now. He's probably there as long as he wants to be. Uh, people need to remember that he took George Mason to the Final Four in 06. Mm-hmm. That was kind of a pioneering game for coaches around the country. Uh, hey, you know, we can do this as a mid major, yeah. and it's happened a couple of times since. Uh, he's got a really good team that just gutted Auburn. Uh, Auburn really faded, I think, down the stretch. Uh, they just weren't the same team. And I think their guards got a little trigger happy and maybe forgot that they had two of the best bigs in the country. But Miami made 10 steals uh, against Auburn and turned it into a 30 30- to one advantage in wow. fast break points. That's ridiculous. That, that's insane, especially against Auburn, which likes to get out and roll and, and get it yeah. going. Yeah. And so, but, you know, uh, Miami's a little bit of a feel-good story because a, a good coach, Jim Laranega, is, is going to continue on. But uh, Iowa State is a feel-good story, too. T.J. Otzelberger, who'd come from UNLV, he'd been an ISU assistant, you know, he loves the program, wanted to be there. And he, they engineered, uh, I think, the second best turnaround in NCAA history. They won two last year, cost Steve Prohm his job. Right now they're at 22 wins. And they've got, they had two of the best additions in the country. Uh, Isaiah Brockington, a, a transfer from Penn State. He leads them in scoring and rebounding. And Tyrese Hunter, a little point guard from Wisconsin, it, it had to uh, be a thrill for him to beat his home state school. I don't know if they recruited him. I'm, I'm not sure that they did, uh, but he helped lead them uh, to that victory. They they bounced out number six LSU and number three Wisconsin, so they're not going to be a pushover. Uh, they don't score a ton of points, but they don't let up a lot either. So this game could be in the 50s, and it wouldn't surprise me. I, I, I like Miami. All right, so there's our uh, lap around the uh, four regionals and the semifinals on Thursday and Friday of this week. Should be some great games coming up, and we'll have the Final Four all in place by the time Sunday evening gets here. Coaching hires, there have been several of those as well. There, the the I heard somebody call the SEC a job fair. That's what it felt like. Uh, <laughs> you did have 
Matt McMahon going from Murray State to LSU. Mississippi State hiring Chris Jan. South Carolina looks like Lamont Paris from, from Chattanooga. Frank Martin had some interesting things to say about his firing. Uh, up in the east, you have Kevin Willard going from Seton Hall to Maryland. Uh, my uh, fellow Bowling Green High School Purple alum. Uh, and you have Sean Miller going back to Xavier, where I just was uh, the other day. The one that the one scene that got me though was when I saw Kenny Payne get off the airplane in Louisville, and Denny Crum and Wade Houston were waiting on the tarmac to greet him wow. when he got off there. But it was really neat; like they had a bunch of their former players there. I saw a couple of the photos, and of course, I'm going through the picture trying to see who all I can name. You know, these guys played 40 years ago. I, I did recognize yeah. Daryl Griffith. There, there are a few in there, but uh, that that was a. That was a neat scene uh, with Coach Crum and, and Wade Houston, who, of course, a uh, longtime assistant at Louisville and then went on to coach at Tennessee. I uh, wanted to ask you about Mac McMahon going from Murray State to LSU. He was awesome at Murray. I mean, they, they had some of the best teams in the history of the OVC. LSU, man, that's a that's going to be a, a tough place to go, especially given the situation that program is in. How, how do you think he'll do? Well, I'm – I'm always going to be partial to Mr. McMahon because he grew up reading Blue Ribbon College Basketball Yearbook. Uh, kind of makes you feel old, but at the same time, <laughs> kind of proud. Uh, maybe we inspired him to do great things. I think that was a good hire. Uh, I don't know, for whatever reason, and, and I thought Will Wade was a good hire, uh, but for whatever reason, uh, he thought that he, you know, I don't know, uh, he had 11 – uh, NCAA level one violations. So it's more than just bending the rules. He thought he didn't have to play by the rules and you do have to play by the rules. Uh, most, most schools anyway. Uh, and, and I, I think that, I think Matt McMahon is capable of going down there and, and just playing it straight and getting it done. I think that was a good hire. Uh, one that you didn't mention that I thought was a good hire, Mike White going to George, from Florida right, to yep. Georgia. Yeah, I couldn't remember if Florida we talked fans, about that one last week. That was really interesting. I yeah, thought. yeah, no, that's right. Uh, you know, Florida fans probably wanted him gone, and he was actually looking to get out last year. But I, I think, you know, to have a veteran coach, I the one that a lot of people aren't talking about is Dennis Gates at Missouri. Uh-huh. Uh, I think it, it was a free-for-all to get him uh, – Literally, there was probably five SEC schools competing for the same pool of coaches. And Mizzou got it done first and hired Dennis Gates from Cleveland State. He comes from Leonard Hamilton's staff at, at Florida State. And I think he'll do a good job. And Chris Jans, I'll tell you, he's won everywhere he's been. You know, he won 20 games in his only year at Bowling Green, got in a bit of trouble, had to go, uh, rehabilitated himself uh, uh uh, again, and and then gets the job at New Mexico State, which, you know, that's a good program. He inherited a good program, but he's done a lot with it. Uh, his his win-loss record there is ridiculous. It's It's got to be in the 80 percentile. Uh, but he is a good defensive coach. He's a lot like our buddy Steve Forbes. Uh, he's going to be able to work the portal. He's going to be able to work junior colleges. At Mississippi State and Ole Miss, you're just not going to outduel a lot of people for five star yeah. talent. And I think Chris Jans can get, he can look under the nooks and crannies and find guys that can compete. And I think he'll do a good job at Mississippi State. All right, Chris, as we finish up, we're going to do something fun here. Now, we all saw the scene uh, in the Indiana game where the cheerleaders got 
they raised up and and knocked the ball loose that had gotten stuck up above the uh, above the backboard where the shot clock is, and the cheerleaders turned that into an nil deal with t-shirts. And yeah. the other night at one of the games, I was asked, "Hey, Kevin, if you were going to do an nil deal and put something on a t-shirt, what would it be?" And so I thought about it for a minute. I thought about it for maybe three minutes, and I said, "You know what? It's got to be triple spillage." And not everybody oh. there. It was uh, some some student workers and and younger folks, and not everybody knew what I was talking about. And then by the time this conversation was done, they'd all seen the video and and had a lot of laughs about the whole thing. And and I told the whole story. But yeah, I, I put the picture of uh, of Emmett Williams coming over the table and 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 running over me. That would be my T-shirt as part of my NIL deal. And I, I thought, you know what, Chris, I, I'll ask Chris about this as well and uh, see what he might be able to come with up with because. For as many experiences as you've had, I got to think there's a, a, a lucrative T-shirt deal out there for you somewhere. I would hope so. Uh, I've, I've been through a lot of crazy stuff, as you know, uh, in my career. Not all of it attached to the NCAA. Uh, I did think that I'm looking at that cheerleader. The cheerleader saves the day T-shirt. Uh, her name is Cassidy Cerny, C-E-R-N-Y. I can't pronounce I'm sorry, Cassidy. Uh, but good for her for getting the NIA. L deal, but hey, I man. thought you know what you got you got to got to cash in while you can, you know that you that... got to cash in while you can. Yep. Uh, part of the Final Four experience for me, uh, every Final Four I go to, I try to see a little bit of history. Uh, New Orleans, of course, is every on every street corner. But when I was last there in 2012, I went to the World War II Museum, uh, and I met a guy who uh, paired, uh, was a paratrooper at D-Day. Huh. And I said, uh, did you have one of those uh, clickers, you know? And yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. He, he, he's 90-something years old. He reaches into his pocket and pulls out the clicker. Oh, wow. And it, I mean, it, and it's brass, and, and it was polished, which leads me to believe that that thing never leaves his pocket. And I just got choked up. And I just said, thanks for your service. And I had to get out of there before he saw me start crying. But uh, that was nuts. When I was at San San Antonio, of course, I saw the Alamo. The other joy I get uh, is eating at the fine establishments uh, at at all these host cities. So I I picked some that uh, in a perfect world, if I wanted to do an NIL deal, I would go to... uh, uh, Houston uh, for Papa Do's and Papa Cita's. Been there. Uh, that is the original uh, Papa Cita's restaurant in Houston. Our hotel was within walking distance of those two restaurants. And those were the only places we ate the whole week <laughs> we were there. Uh, I would go to the County Line Barbecue in San Antonio on the Riverwalk. And then in New Orleans, there's so many I couldn't hardly pick. But I would go uh, to Mother's, uh, home of the Debris Po'boy, uh, which would look great on a shirt. Uh, Decatur Grocery, home of the original Muffalata, which would look even better on a shirt. It'd have to be an extra large shirt, but those <laughs> sandies are big. And, and Deanie's Seafood House in New Orleans, which might even be a bigger shirt, because when, they get, when you get the seafood platter at Deanie's, that stuff is literally falling off the plate as they bring it to you. So, yeah, if I could swing me a deal with one, two, three, maybe five of those, uh, 
and they wouldn't even have to give me any money. Just in trade? Just a gift card. Just in <laughs> trade. You know, a punch ticket, you know. And, and then maybe uh, to, to top it off, uh, a visit to Cafe uh, Du Monde uh, in New Orleans for the famous beignets. Yes, sir. Uh, we were there during the final four, and it looked like snowfall on the outdoor <laughs> patio. It was all the powdered sugar. You know what I mean? I've been there. I've had them. It's, yeah. it's awesome. It sure is. Yeah, so I, I know that's probably – not what anybody might expect, you know, uh, nothing to do with the actual games, but that's all part of it to me. I, I envy you now. Um, I don't travel as, as much uh, since I'm not on a regular beat, but you have been to some, I mean, you've been from Hawaii to Florida this year uh, and all points in between. So uh, that'll be cool. And I'm sure baseball, uh, I'll, I'll bet you're, you're, you're back in Omaha. So yeah, I was hoping to make one more stop in the big city of New York. Yeah, wouldn't that have been great? We came up a wind short, but okay. Here's the thing, though. At the what I would I'd been thinking about this as part of I wouldn't have done it as far as part of the the, you know the big winning call if if Vanderbilt had defeated Xavier, but at some point I was going to deliver the line from Skyline to Carmines. Uh, talking about skyline oh, chili, and, skyline chili, and, <laughs> and, exactly. And, and we ate there yesterday. You know, and Carmine's is the famous place in New York. And Tim Thompson and I had uh, actually looked up reservations for Carmine's because we were gonna we were thinking about maybe going there on Monday if we were in in New York. That's awesome. <laughs> I thought. I was gonna so, ask so you I tried. I, Scott- I, I tried that line out on Tim, and he was on the floor laughing. He's like, "You got oh, You got to do been- it." <laughs> I was going to ask you if you had Skyline or Gold Star. Yeah. I'm, I'm a Gold well, Star. See, I, I've had both. Uh, yeah. To me, they're they're very similar. They're pretty much uh, they're, imperceptible they're, differences. Yeah, there are I a guess. lot of there are a lot more Skyline restaurants around, and in fact, uh, as soon as you get even on the outskirts of Cincinnati, there, there's a Skyline. As soon as you go from 71 to 75. And so uh, the group in our car. You go for the conies or the five ways? Well, see, see, that was a tough decision yesterday because we got there, and I've been thinking <laughs> about this. I love the chili cheese conies. We, we go up and see. Yeah, I'm die, awesome. I'm a diehard Reds fan, so we go oh, yeah. once or twice a year, and I usually have chili cheese conies at the game, and then usually stop there and get a couple more after the game. But yesterday I went with the the three way chili, which is uh, spaghetti with the chili and the and the cheese. And yeah. I don't know. I'm just kind of feeling feeling the the regular chili dish, and so I had that. Uh, a couple of the other guys had had conies, and uh, Chad Bishop had. I think he had the five way. He it was way bigger. You, than you, than you, mine, you so. can't do that if you're about to go on the radio. <laughs> See, that was the thing. Um, the I, I, wanted, I was I was trying to play it a little bit safe, and uh, so I think I probably yeah. made the wise choice. But yeah, I, you know, I forgot to tell you this last night uh, in the final uh, three to four minutes. I turned down the sound and, and found you and Tim uh, on online, and you were like a minute ahead of the TV. Oh yeah! So I knew that, that Vandy lost before ESPN viewers did. Oh man! But uh, man, you guys have really fine tuned your act. Uh, I thought I thought you guys uh, did a great job and make a great team. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. Tim is so much fun. Uh, we, we've traveled some separately from the team and on a couple of different occasions and just had a great time. Uh, he, he's awesome to work with and super easy. And, you know, people tell us we have great chemistry, but I, I've also known Tim for a long time. I've known him for probably he's a, he's a great at guy. least a dozen years or so. His, his daughter played at Belmont. So I knew him a little bit from there, but I knew him a lot from around Vanderbilt. He, he did the games. He'd done the games for 
20 years before he and I began working together. But uh, I appreciate the kind words, and we had a lot of fun and already looking forward to next season. It was a, a great time. Well, Chris, we'll uh, wrap it up and uh, do it again next week. We'll have a final four in place by the time we do our uh, next podcast. Always a lot of fun. Always enjoy your stories and experiences, and uh, just enjoy the games, man. we got a whole bunch more to go. You too, buddy. See you soon. He's Chris Dorch. I'm Kevin Ingram. That is the Blue Ribbon College Basketball Podcast. We'll talk to you soon.